this week's topic is the kingdom of God. And um, what I'm going to do is essentially, I'm going to use that as like a springboard to talk through um, how to stay, we're going to talk about how to stay sane in a crazy world this morning, because most of us realize that this world seems to get crazier by the day, regardless of what side of the aisle or, you know, whatever your background is. Um, these are some crazy times that we live in, and I feel like I'm always doing this, this message of like, here's another way you can stay sane in a crazy world, uh, but I also kind of feel like that's a message these days that is needed because it's just, it is tough to stay focused, it is tough to, um, to stay secure in the world, that, in the rapidly changing and shifting world that we're um, that we're walking through right now. And so there's a couple passages today that center around the kingdom of God uh, that I use real time. So what I want you to know is today is a very personal message for me. Like this is me kind of opening up the pages of my journal or whatever to you. Um, have you ever, like, like I know um, when, when, I, when I'm driving in Phoenix, like Phoenix is, is a crazy, like it's fast and there's like bumpers laying on the, like they don't even, they just kind of move the wrecked car to the side and life goes on. Um, and traffic's flying all around in or, or, or Orlando where you change onto a new freeway and immediately there's an exit to another freeway and, and you're just kind of like every man for himself. And, and so in those moments, like Waze is what I use for navigation, um, but I just try to stay looking at the lane ahead of me and seeing where the dark blue lane is on ways, and like just try to make sure I'm matched up. Like, like don't get looking at any, no billboards, no, you know, ooh, they have a Popeyes, whatever. Just, just stay on the, for me, um, these passages about the kingdom of God uh, in real time, in real life, give me that kind of focus. Um, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Sometimes it seems like we're on the brink of civil war in this country. Russia has nuclear weapons, we know that. Racial tension has produced a lot of unrest and heartache. We're like $30 trillion in debt at this point. It almost just seems like a number. Um, there aren't enough workers. Sokolowski's closed. I don't know if I can be a Browns fan or not. Um, is the pandemic really over? The 2024 elections are just around the corner. I don't know that any of that's going to do us any favors. And I have a senior in high school. <laughs> I am... Like that alone, if I were an actor, I could bring myself to tears on command just thinking about that one thing. Um, so I do these sermons throughout the year on how to stay sane, how to have inner peace, 
um, how to overcome worry <clears throat> when I like from day to day I struggle with bonafide anxiety um, it's when I was typing this transcript, because I go word for word transcript so that I can get an idea for how long the message is, <clears throat> um, when I typed in, I struggle with bona fide, the auto suggest said anxiety. <laughs> so that's how real it's like my computer knew. <clears throat> Um, my own computer's algorithm knows I'm a fake from up here. This is a real thing for me. Um, this is a topic, like I use these passages of scripture we're going to talk about today because while I talk about having inner peace, I have it and then I lose it. And then I gain it and then I lose it. I'm always in this exercise of working through these things with these scriptures to regain an anchor in my life. Um, because I am, because I'm fear-based. And I hate that I'm fear-based. And maybe someday I'll get to an age where I'm just like, I don't care. But I know my granny was 91 when she died, and she never did. She, all she did was she would say, I can't worry about that, I'm just concerned. So she just like relabeled it. You know, semantics. Um, and it's very frustrating to me. So let, let's, uh, first of all, let me get, before we get to the scripture, let me give you the mantra, and I talked through this mantra, <clears throat> and this mantra is helpful when I use it, and it has to be always something that I'm working on, and when I, when I use it, it works, when I don't, I lose it, okay? And you've heard this before, and I don't know where it originated from. Talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. That's where it starts. Talk to yourself. Don't listen to yourself, because I am a fear-based person, and my brain is always jabbering about what I can be afraid of, and what's going to go wrong, and what could go wrong, and you know, there's like this Eeyore thing that's always going on, and I have to, so do you remember a few months ago, if you were here, a part of Polaris back then, we talked about the Apostle Paul in the scriptures, um, and he said, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This was a regular practice. And what you'll see, and I've said this before, what you'll see as you look at the writings of the ancient Christians, especially the Christians that devoted the most time to thinking about following Jesus. <clears throat> In their writings, one of the consistent themes was, you have to learn to be aware of your thoughts and catch your thinking 
early on and label it, that's out of line with Jesus. And bring it into obedience with Jesus. That just has to be a regular practice. And so for me, like anything good in life, um, there's a war over that. In that I want to do it all the time, but I forget for months. Like, I'll get really good at, okay, I, there it is. There's that thought. I'm going to stop it, and I'm going to think like this instead. I'm going to correct that thought with Scripture. I'm going to renounce the lie. I'm going to replace it with the truth. And then I'll get lazy and spiral downward and just kind of ruminate and run with it instead of arresting it up front, taking the thought captive. So that's the first little mantra Talk to yourself, don't listen to yourself. And what that means is, is be aware of your thoughts and stop listening to the ones that are out of line with Scripture in Jesus and renounce those lies and replace it with the truth. And I'm going to talk about a few of these like Scriptures that I have to do this with in a minute here, but I just this is an important practice to stay sane in a crazy world, is you catch yourself in your thinking when it's out of line with Scripture and you bring it into alignment and make it obedient to Jesus instead. So that's like, for me, I'm just, you know, for me, in my ongoing battle with anxiety and inner turmoil over anything and everything around me, one of the most important practices that defines whether or not I'm winning or losing that battle is how intentional am I to my thinking and how quickly do I stop it and bring it into alignment with Jesus, okay? So uh, let me now transition to this very famous passage of Scripture from the Sermon on the Mount. This passage in the Bible is the bane of my existence. Okay, Jesus says this stuff, and part of me is very grateful, and part of me is like, yeah, that's easy for you, Jesus. You were the Son of God. Okay? <clears throat> so here we go. This runs through my head like a bazillion times a day. <clears throat> Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Isn't that... I, I mean, it's like... Yeah, but I'm going to worry anyway. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, one of the great kings in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the pagans, people who are far from God, 
They run after all these things. That's an important, that's going to tie into some things we talk about later. People who are far from God, that they, they run after those things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, or instead, or rather, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of life, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So let's talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about how I wrestled through that passage because this is going to tell us what not to do and then what to do instead. Um, so there's a couple things that we're not allowed to worry about. Um, first, Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Now, um, looking back in the original uh, context here. Um, I don't think Jesus is talking about don't stress about where you're going to eat lunch. Right? Because I like, I worry about a lot of things. I have never worried about food or drink. Like I, I, I stress about, like I don't, anyone who knows me knows that I just don't decide where we're going to eat. Like I can't be entrusted with that crucial of a decision. Um, I use the line, I only make decisions on Sunday mornings um, when it comes to anywhere we're going to eat. Uh, but Jesus isn't talking about where you're going to eat. He's talking about are you going to have food or water. He's talking about longevity. He's saying don't worry about longevity. You know, in his day and time... Um, the uh, average lifespan was 35, but that was because of like infant mortality. If you made it to adulthood, the average lifespan was around 55. So, so what Jesus is, is, is essentially saying is don't worry about your longevity. I think if he were here today, he would stand before me and say, you know, don't worry about cancer. Don't worry about car wrecks. Don't worry about aneurysms. Um, don't worry about, you know, put away the hypochondriac dictionary. Don't worry about longevity. Don't worry about your health. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about taking care of your health. I'm simply saying the things that we worry about, the things that are out of our control, <coughs> don't worry about your longevity. So, so Jesus is telling me that I am not allowed to worry about getting any of the biggies which I have like, you know, five times a year, some major thing. I've beat them all. All the cancers, I've had them and beat them. ALS, had it and beat it. Um, like the life of the hypochondriac. He's saying, don't worry about your health. So that's one thing that Jesus is saying you're not allowed to worry about. So what we could do then is we can, oh, am I, am I worrying about my longevity? Catch that thought early and replace it with I'm not allowed to. Jesus says no. So think about something else. You're not allowed to worry about that. You trust God with that. Seek first his kingdom. Okay, You trust God with that. Not allowed to worry about it. And then he shifts to clothes. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Now, something tells me that in Jesus' day and time as he stands before the poor, and we're talking about the economically oppressed, can't get out of it, peasant life. 
I don't think he's saying, don't worry about what you're going to wear to the 4th of July party tomorrow. You know, if you wear the same thing as somebody else, it's okay. He's, not say, he's talking about necessities. I think if we, he were to stand before us today, he would say, don't worry about uh, your company downsizing or losing your job. Don't worry about the rent. Don't worry about whether you can give your kids uh, enough so that they're not made fun of by other kids. Don't worry about if you can keep up with the Joneses so that you can have the cloud or your kids can have the... He's saying, don't worry about the necessities or the things that you perceive as necessities for quality of life. <clears throat> so we are not allowed to worry about longevity or quality of life. Necessities. Those are two biggies that Jesus is like, when, you, when it starts to just stop it. And then he says, seek first his kingdom. Now, um, in, in the Core 52 curriculum, it talks a lot about the kingdom of God, and I'll let you turn there for Like, I could, the kingdom of God was something that Jesus' uh, audience obsessed over. And let me, let me boil it down. I mean, we could talk for a half an hour about all the, you know, in Scripture, but let me just kind of boil it down to the fact that kingdom in that day meant, like, geographic location ruled by a king. And they were promised in their ancient Scriptures that there would be a king that would arise, that would establish a kingdom that would be for all time, and it would be this great eternal kingdom that would never have an end, and all the peoples of the world would essentially turn to this kingdom and know God through this kingdom, and, and the ancient people in Jesus' day and time believed that it was, all they had, is a, all they had to, to frame that up with was, was geographical kingdom. Well, what Jesus, when Jesus comes on the scene, in, in, in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus announces his ministry by saying, change your ways because God's kingdom is here now. It's arrived. Now, what we learn through the rest of Matthew, because the gospel of Matthew obsesses over the kingdom of God, is that this is not an earthly kingdom, and Jesus was not an earthly king. The kingdom of God is something that is within us. The kingdom of God is a lifestyle. The kingdom of God is God's rule over our person. We are submitting and joining God's kingdom from wherever we are to be a part of it, and it's a lifestyle, not a geographical location. So when Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom, um... What he's saying is, don't be distracted by the things everybody else is distracted by, like longevity, like possessions, like necessities. Instead, love God and love people and serve people and think eternity. Like there are temporary things and then there are eternal things. There are temporary things like health, and there are eternal things like loving people and helping people and serving people and spending time with God, things that are going to last forever. And so Jesus is saying, shift your focus in a crazy world around us with any number of things on Fox or CNN or whatever. Shift your focus from temporary things to eternal things. So this is, an, this is an alternative. 
an alternative to temporary worry is shifting to kingdom of God, inner kingdom, letting God rule us, living for the eternal, moving away from the temporary. And, and this, is what, this is what helps me. In real life, day to day, because worry is my number one struggle, and there is not a close second. And I'm embarrassed by that. I feel weak. I feel like a fraud up here. I don't know if I'll ever get over it completely. I am jealous of the, where's Larry Wentz? Where's Larry Wentz? Yeah, I don't, I'm not a worry word. I don't worry about things, and I believe him. Like, like I'm, I, no, good for you, Larry Wentz. It's hard for me. And I have to regularly, like, and I, and I mean it, I'm, this is not, like, I'm, I'm a, I, I like to, you know, with humor, self-deprecate, all that. I have to regularly do this, or I will go insane. Um, I will waste days just sitting and ruminating about all I have to be afraid of in life. And it ain't getting easier the older I get. Um, so, let me, let me move to um, another passage from the teachings of Jesus. <coughs> and I use this little um, like couplet, doublet, Doublet, couplet, I don't know what it is, but I use it all the time from Jesus, okay? Um, now let me, uh, um, a little disclaimer here. And you got to be careful how you do this. When I was in my Christian college studying ministry and scripture, I was taught, you know, a very modern Western approach, there is one meaning to every scripture, and you must find that meaning, meaning, and sort of stay within the lines of very minimalistic approach to properly interpreting scripture. Now, what I can tell you is, while I respect that, it's not how they did it back then. Um, even in Scripture, the authors of Scripture, and certainly in the first writings of the ancient church outside of Scripture, they called it turning the gem. And they would look at Scripture, and this was a Jewish practice, and you see it in, in, in Scripture and in, in, in ancient writings, ancient Jewish writings, rabbi teachings uh, called Midrash, uh, all the way they would look at a Scripture and turn it from all angles and find all sorts of different ways that it could be applied. And uh, in, in the ancient church, they would, they would invite the Holy Spirit to speak to them through scriptures in all sorts of ways. Now, I think you have to be careful with this because clearly it is not wise to turn scripture and twist scripture in order to justify certain things. And that's one of the things that I would say you do as you're trying to invite God to speak to you through scriptures is if you find yourself trying to justify something, there's your red flag. Because usually if God swings a scripture on you, 
it's like to smack you upside the head, not to enable you, okay? <clears throat> but I say that because what we're going to do is we're going to look at this, and I'm going to show you how, how I tend to apply it to different situations, and, and I just, I would invite you as you read scripture to just kind of say that little prayer, God, speak to me through this and use this throughout my week. And what I think you'll find is that God will show up in unexpe unexpected places with certain scriptures that somehow speak to something that you wouldn't have initially expected it to speak to, which is why reading scripture is so important, because the Bible says that scripture is living and active. It's not dead and static. Okay, so God will use Scripture in your life in unexpected ways. So, <clears throat> here we go. This is Matthew 8. Jesus has just gotten done um, uh, uh, teaching. Of the, he taught about worry in chapter 6. And, and, you know, not to get caught up in temporary things, but live for eternal things. Not to get caught up in the here and now get caught up uh, in, in, in kingdom kind of thinking. And then he's going to, this is, this is just a fascinating passage in, in Matthew 8. Okay, this is the kind of stuff that Jesus does where his PR team would be like just pulling their hair out, okay? This is not how you build a following. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, now, side note, this isn't in my notes, so it's like a freebie. Um... Whenever you see in Scripture the authors reference a crowd, you can expect Jesus to do something to thin that crowd out. Okay, the authors are preparing you like, and he finally had a crowd, and then he did this. Okay, so here we go. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. It's catching on. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and bird have nests. birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So Jesus is essentially saying, Well, you really can't follow me anywhere because I don't have like a home and I'm not going to have a home. Now, Jesus doesn't call all of his followers to be homeless. He's simply telling this, this man, if you want to follow me, you better not live for temporary buildup of things or comfort because I'm always on the move and I'm always trusting God and I'm homeless. Now, there's all kinds of ways to apply that. Um, but here's one of the things that that I do um, that helps with my restlessness, okay? I am very aware that um, I grew up 730 Roch, Maslin, Ohio, in, in a comfortable home with, an, with, a, with a protective mother I had a great relationship with my mom. My mom and dad are still together to this day. And there at 730 Roch, everything was always okay. The warm lights were always glowing. There was a five-course meal on the table. And, and the inner child in me wants that. 
all the time. And that's why I think I'm so fear-based is because that just for me is just that's how it should, that's what I want. And the older I get, like, that's just not there. And it ain't, you know, it ain't moving back toward that. Things are going to get more uncertain the older I get. And, and so I have this deep, and I think we all do to some extent, desire to just be okay. And if you're raising a family, you want everybody to just be okay. And what Jesus is kind of saying here is, if you want to follow me, you're not heading toward a place of comfort. I mean, we're heading toward a place of deep inner peace when we're in connection with Jesus and our eternity is secure through Jesus. Like, our future is bright because of Jesus. But Jesus is always on the move because that's what he's really saying here. Foxes are stationary. Birds have a home. I'm always on the move. And so one of the things is for us to look at is, is, is when we're feeling this anxiety, um, you're not going to come to a place of comfort if you're walking with Jesus because he's always on the move. And he's going to take you in that journey to new and uncomfortable places because he's always on the move. So this teacher's like, I'll follow you wherever. Wherever you end up, Jesus, I'll be there. And Jesus is like, I ain't going to end up anywhere. <laughs> I'm always on the move. And so if we're journeying with Jesus and we want to be a part of this thing he's doing, and I think deep down we all have this thing of I want to be God's. I want to be his. And I want, to, I want everything he wants for me. And God's like, are you sure? Because I'm always on the move. And so we just need to change our expectations of this, you know, 730 Roch. Because God is always on the move. Now, let me do one more here because Jesus isn't done. <laughs> Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, that sounds extremely uncompassionate. And Jesus is, is very compassionate. But every now and then he would do this shock stuff to create a kind of a, a, a kind of narrative. Now, we don't know exactly what this man was asking for. He might have been asking for, uh, let me stay with my father until he dies, which isn't unreasonable, or let me, I need to go back and be a part of the mourning process, which could have been extensive. And, and Jesus may have been, you know, because, because he wasn't going to be around much longer, uh, may have just on a practical, like, I'm only here for so long, so you're going to, you know, you're going to have, but, but what he says is, let the dead bury their own dead. <coughs> In, in knowing a little bit about ancient rabbinical teaching, what I can tell you, I'm pretty confident here, is that Jesus isn't really being like calloused or flippant with somebody dying or losing their parent. What he's saying is, let temporary people do temporary things. You follow me. And so this for me transcends anything about a, a dying, grieving family. For me, this transcends into many situations throughout the day where I sense God's Spirit saying, let the dead bury their own dead. And so, let me tell you how I apply this. Because when it comes to inner peace, I use this one a lot. And don't take it like I'm, I don't, you know, I... I this isn't a condescending thing toward other people. But let me give you some examples Okay, 
My kid isn't playing shortstop as much as I want him to, and he's not in the batting order where I want him to be, and these coaches are all just a bunch of dads, blah, 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 blah. Alex, let the dead bury their own dead. And I don't think that that's God saying that they're dead or any condescending it, but there's, there's temporary people who live for temporary things, and God's like, Alex, I need you to live from a different place. And so when you're thinking about the power moves going on at your job or neighborhood stuff that's happening or they're moving to that neighborhood and you wish you could move, their kid's doing this stuff and this stuff and this stuff and your kid, let the dead bury their own dead. And again, we're not talking about being condescending or calling, you know, in our minds, calling people dead or lesser than or whatever, but the just there are temporary things in life and nothing is more temporary than life itself and and there are people who are caught up and they're going to live from those kinds of places. And we will too if we don't catch ourselves and catch our thinking and just let the dead bury their own dead. I say this four or five times to myself a day because I just get the, like my brain starts spiraling. I get into this temporary stuff, whether it's political arguments or I'll read stuff on some comment thread and just want to lunge and I just sense that. Let the dead bury their own dead. Okay, that's their thing. That's what their, that's their cause. That's their whatever. It's temporary because here's the thing. America will cease to exist. There's not going to be an America in heaven. There may not be an America when Jesus comes back. Your job will cease to exist. Someone will replace you. Your company will cease to exist. All of our pursuits, every Christmas gift will be in a landfill. But God's kingdom is eternal. And a lot of times this worry and anxiety stuff gets sorted out quick when I just say, just let the dead bury their own dead. Leave the temporary stuff. And live in the eternal. And that helps me stay centered. And that helps me regain peace when I've lost it. All right, we're going to close with one last song. And for me, this is like one of those anchor things of, okay, at the end of the day, <coughs> one day I'll stand before God and, he'll, and, and, and I'll say, um, all that worry for nothing. And this song reminds me that all that really matters is God's grace in my life. And, and like there's going to be a day when it's just all done. And, and all that matters is God's grace and my forgiveness and my standing with him. And um, if we're trying to find an anchor, uh, this is a pretty good place to start. So will you stand with me and let's pray. God, thank you for your word and for... Um, the words of Jesus that call us away from the temporary and into the eternal. And I pray that you would, you, that you would help us um, take, that, take that journey away from the temporary and into the eternal and experience the life that you have for us and, and um, uh, there's no, like you're always on the move, but at the end of the day, um, we, would, we would rather be on the move with you than, than feeling safe in some temporary thing that's going to come to an end. So continue that work in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.